Hello, and welcome to Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And I'm Hank Green. (laughs) Should I do it now? Yeah. Yeah. That was perfect. Perfect. That was that was seamless. That was as if we hadn't as if we had planned it. Exactly. I like that. Um, well, you're a professional. You know what yeah. you're doing. So thanks. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a we have a special guest. We're so excited. I know. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as it, it, since you've been listening, you can already tell Hank Green <laughs> is here with us this week. Uh, welcome. Hello. Hi. Th- thank you so much yeah. for coming on our show. Hey, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm a big fan of all the work that you all do. Um, and I like to be on podcasts. It's like <laughs> my hobby. Uh, that is something that uh, we here in the McElroy family can certainly understand. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we, we do many podcasts. Really? We, just, we just keep doing more. <laughs> I, I hadn't heard. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, obviously, you uh, fellow fellow podcaster. Uh, but so so much more author and vlogger and YouTuber, which Sydney didn't know were words until until Riley and <laughs> until I, started, I told you. <laughs> yeah, until Riley started teaching me this on this podcast. Um, I know. I feel I feel bad because uh, Hank, my excuse on this show for not knowing stuff is always, well, I'm older, and so this stuff wasn't around. But see, the thing is, uh, you and I are about the same age, and. You know all yeah. the cool teen <laughs> stuff. You blow my whole excuse. Well, I think you got you like do other. You have another job that is not this. Uh, whereas <laughs> my whole job is to try and. Uh, well, it used to be to 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 be hip with what the teens were up to, but now I'm more like hip with what the 24 year olds are up to, um, <laughs> which is also important and difficult. Uh, turns out, as a 38 year old, that's still that's still hipper though than where i am so yeah um, i i admire that also you're a fellow scientist yeah kind of it's been a while since uh since i was in a lab but yes yeah i i got very excited as i've as i've explored all of your (laughs) um uh, all of your efforts to improve um everybody's understanding of science with the use of youtube and crash course and all the different things man i love that stuff thanks so yep i love youtube i love science (laughs) <laughs> and I used to love the internet. <laughs> I think that's everybody's relationship with the internet that's been on yeah. the internet for a while. <laughs> that was that was a little tongue in cheek. Everybody knows how I feel. It's complicated. <laughs> it used to not be complicated, and now it's complicated. That means you've made it on the internet if you now hate it. <laughs> uh, I think that it means it's 2018. I like. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people have have more conflicted feelings about the internet uh, now than they did four years ago or so. I think that's it's fair. True. I think it. Well, it all comes full circle because it reminds me of how I used to feel about the internet back when you had to dial up like through AOL to get onto it. <laughs> that was my that was my favorite time. <laughs> I loved that. Back well, when the internet was loud. <laughs> when it was loud, but when you, it was so, I guess it was kind of a happy surprise when it worked. It was so yeah, inconsistent yeah. for me. It was, I'd dial up and go, man, may, maybe this time. <laughs> I can't wait to get on and get the, the internet. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait so to go get in, a, now. get in a chat room somewhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, it all fell apart once the internet got so quiet we couldn't hear it. It's just yeah. there all the time. <laughs> Uh, on our on our show, whenever we have guests, we always try to ask them uh, a question. Uh, since this is about teens, mm-hmm. then and now, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and our question is, how did you teen? Kind of, where did you fit into the the teen mm-hmm. world? I was um, I jumped around a lot. Uh, I I have always been a little bit of a chameleon in terms of uh, like I, I don't tend to have a hard time getting along with different kinds of people as long as I can get a good sense of uh, what kind of people they are and also I don't like actively hate them which is most people <laughs> um, and so so I like I teened at the popular kids table but quietly and only sort of begrudgingly they ex- accepted it uh, but I also <laughs> teened with the stoners for a while I teened uh, with the goths 
for a period. I, I, I have I have uh, worn eyeliner uh, a number of times, <laughs> um, and then uh, and then eventually I uh, like late late teening I teened with some folks who were I don't know if we would properly be called outcasts. It was such a big school it was hard to have any outcasts because no matter what you uh, could you could find somebody who was gonna be accepting it felt like to me um Mm -hmm. but just some people who had had all fallen together and and ended up being buds because we really really meshed well together and that was really only like the latter half of junior year and senior year of college that i had this great friend group that i felt so comfortable with and they were so funny and there was no pretense that we had to try and impress each other all the time it was just about like having fun and supporting each other and so I like that was such a great time for me as especially as compared to all of the years before it starting in like ninth grade or maybe a little before that is when it started to get rough for me um that that's what I primarily remember as my my teen years but of course was only was only a year and a half of it that's like that's a good teen evolution though it is (laughs) and yeah and that echoes a lot of what uh i mean that taylor and i keep telling riley although i think you've already started to figure that out that like it takes a while to kind of find your people Mm -hmm. to find Mm -hmm. the group of people that that you feel you can really be yourself with yeah yeah, and that's such a wonderful gift. And then in college, I had that um, in spades, and I'm still I'm still very close with all, all of those people, including the people from high school that I was buds with um, in that in that later part. But but also all of my friends from college, we still hang out, and they're still they're just great people. Yeah, feel, feel very lucky. Um, but also, I was a fair a fair amount of my teening was done in private uh, by myself, watching Star Trek: The Next Generation and playing video games. Um, <laughs> So I also did that. Um, if, you want to, if you want to talk about uh, Maxis games, I'm here for you. I can tell you everything you ever wanted to know about SimCity 2000, um, which is probably not very much. Uh, I mean, anything would be more than I know, yeah. to be fair. <laughs> I, yeah. I always fall into, this, fall into this trap where people um, will assume that I know anything about video games or anything like that because of yeah. Justin. And the uh-huh. truth is, so little, so little. <laughs> I think I, I think like Ocarina of Time was the last video game I played. <laughs> and then it's been gone since then. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah>. I've been <laughs> absent from that. video games since then. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah. I I had science, so like that that filled my nerdy void. <laughs> I, sure. I just like That's that as same. an answer for anything. I had yeah. science. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't know about this thing. <laughs> that It's my only excuse. It's all I got. <laughs> I was too busy with science. <laughs> um, which that and that was one of the main things. I mean, we want to we want to talk a lot about YouTube because, yeah. Hank, you know all about it. And I I don't. Uh Taylor and Riley know a lot more than me. Yeah. But um, how did you, I, as I mentioned, you, you, I know you studied biochemistry. How did you end up going down the YouTube road? How did that, how did you find that? Um, it was just my brother was so into these early online video projects, even before YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he thought it was really weird and important and because he was my older brother, I was like, if you think it's important, I think it's the most important thing that ever happened. <laughs> um, oh, that and... must be nice. <laughs> I was say, is that how that works? <laughs> I'm unfamiliar. You're wrong, sis. Yeah, I don't know anything about that, but please continue. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're sistering weird. Um, I, yeah, I, I. And like that was very early. That was 2007. It was January 1st, 2007 is when I uploaded my first YouTube video. And um, mm-hmm. we didn't know what we were doing. And then the platform kept changing and we kept changing with it. And um, it's been quite a ride. And it is weird to watch it evolve and become different things. And 
uh, going from a time when like everybody knew everybody on the platform to a time when that is literally impossible. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was like eight years ago that it became literally impossible. So it, it's just, yeah, it's moved, moved a lot. And, uh, in, in ways that I'm both like fills me with a lot of pride and, and some ways that make me sad and I'm frustrated with, but, um, that is, I think bound to be the case with, uh, complicated, uh, human systems. Sure. Yeah. And, and that like, at that time I was a full-time blogger, Mm -hmm. weirdly enough, like not, I wasn't making great money doing it. Um, but I, so I, was writing mostly on my own publication and then I was also getting paid to write other places and uh and that was that was my job so I had already um left like practical science and and that had been uh, probably about four years since I'd worked in a lab I thought that I was going to move out to Montana and just get a job in a lab but it turns out that there's not a ton to do here so I went back to school and learned how to be a good nonfiction writer. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's really interesting because it, uh, it took me a while. I, I know like with podcasting to see, like even doing a podcast about in medical history, but, um, science adjacent science E mm -hmm. that, science that it like the potential of the platform to, um, educate and inform. And I feel like you, you got that so early. Yeah, well, I mean, it was, uh, it, it, I don't know, it was it was clear to me, and I don't know what to attribute this to, that it was going to be a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I, and if I it was going to attribute it to anything, it would be like that I tend to go all in on whatever John's into. And mm -hmm. um, because like, I, you know, I think that's just, that's maybe my personality. It may be like our kind of brotherhood, but it, if, you know, he was the ultimate tastemaker for me. Even, you know, whenever John would come home with a new album, I was like, that was my new favorite band. And <laughs> that was sort of extended even into when I was a 26-year-old, 20, which probably <laughs> shouldn't have been. But, um, yeah, that, and, and, uh, and then, like, the power of the platform and what to do with it, that all came later as we, you know, kept messing around um, mm -hmm. and seeing what other people were doing and, and you know, innovating on that. Yeah. I think that's that's crazy for me to hear because now, I mean, I know people that are younger than me, my age, that are saying, like, I want to be a YouTuber. Like, that's what I want my job to be. But, I mean, mm -hmm. when you all were eight, 18, 16, like, that wasn't a thing. But oh, yeah, no. you are. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. <laughs> that, yeah. I, I'm trying to imagine saying that when I was 16, yeah. I, what the equivalent to that would have been. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, like, one? honestly, I think the equivalent is more like it, it's it's like professional famous person almost. Um, <laughs> so like uh, the, the equivalent is is I always think of music. It's very similar mm -hmm. to like the way that I felt about like Gordon Gano of the, of Violent Femmes and mm -hmm. like, you know, the those sort of personality driven musicians where there were lots of interviews that I could read with them and learn about them and like their their lyrics were always very full of their own personal experiences and and so that there's like a similarity there between and, and like I was always obsessed with that I never thought I was going to be a musician um because I never focused on that ever at all <laughs> but yeah this this thing opened up and I but like you know if you ask kids you know when I I was in high school a lot of people would want to be professional sports people or professional actors or musicians and that's you know it's because we it's what we're exposed to and it's also what we idolize yeah so it's a normal thing to want to be mm -hmm. even yeah. if it sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true uh, uh, you know the the thing though that i think is fascinating is that like when you think about musicians or, or other people who you know kind of go beyond their talent or their skill to become like you said like a professional famous person like a brand um that that barrier to entry was so much higher i mean at least in my conception of it when i was a teenager mm -hmm. like the idea mm -hmm. that that would ever be me well i mean well, it wasn't my goal i 
I just want to be a doctor. But <laughs> but the idea but the idea that like there was just no way, like how would that ever happen? I don't know. I don't have any I didn't think I had any sk- skills or talents that would lend itself to that, but I think with YouTube and with podcasting, it, the barrier to entry is a lot lower. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also like um so there's there's two components to that. One is the infrastructure around it isn't there. So if you were going to be famous when I was a kid, you'd probably be when I was a, t- a teenager, you'd probably like be on TV and there would be agents and managers and there would be producers and there would be people in your parents and like there would be whole systems around like to some extent like giving you focus, controlling you, making you not do something that was going to hurt the production, mm-hmm. um, but also like just helping you and helping you make good decisions. Sure. Ideally, or just exploiting you, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, and then suddenly there was not that. So now people get famous and they're teenagers and they have nothing. They have no infrastructure. Oftentimes, like, their parents aren't even interested, don't see it as a big deal, don't think that it's something that's actually happening. Sometimes their parents make very bad decisions on their behalf because they don't understand the magnitude of what's happening. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they make very bad decisions because they don't have any structure around them to help them make good decisions. And then you have this other... So that's one portion of of the difference. And Mm -hmm. the other big difference for me is that like fame has fractured such that there are just a lot more people who are being exposed to like a level of adoration, a level of notoriety. And it's a smaller number of people, but that doesn't mean that the the excitement um, or the uh, enthusiasm among their audience isn't just as big as it was for whoever it was mm-hmm. joey fatone when i was in in high school um for sure or or middle school how do you <laughs> how do you guys feel about joey fatone was is that did that speak to either of you <laughs> uh taylor that was your that that's your area right <laughs> well you know that was like I, there was like a divide in my friends group between backstreet boys and nsync and i oh. i had just decided just to not participate because it seemed too 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 much of a, a, a sided subject to get into. So you went ninety eight degrees just to be. <laughs> yeah, oh, those are the real weirdos, right? You know what I like? Was that, yeah. was that that was that was? I see. I uh, was New York. I was New Kids on the Block era. So all right, you're right. Oh, okay. You're right. Little little different. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, we were we were very hardcore in sync uh, in my friend mm. group, which turned out to be mostly female. When I finally started getting comfortable with people, I don't know. That's, that tends to <laughs> tends to be a direction I go in. Generally, we can psychoanalyze me later. <laughs> um, I, yeah, and and so like the the fact that this it just can happen to more people, and so it's a more normal thing to have happen, and thus it's a more normal thing to want to happen and to go after. Mm-hmm. And that's you know that's that's very weird and it's very new. It, it is. It might not be like in the course on like the scale of human history that new though. So it's, you know, it's only in the last hundred years that we've had anything like monolithic celebrity, like culture-wide celebrity. Mm -hmm. That was, that that like first happened, like with Bing Crosby was, you know, like sort of the the peak of, you know, of the consolidation of celebrity, having a radio show that like two thirds of Americans listen to. That's just not normal. Right. Um, When there's like a hundred million people in a in a country of 150 million people listening to your radio show that's mm-hmm. very weird um yeah. it, whereas like back before broadcast um you know there it was much more likely to have local you know storytellers musicians performers who were professionals and who did that and who probably like you know traveled around doing it and who may have you know just the the dynamic of being up on a stage had some level of you know, enthusiasm and, and adoration being projected at them. You know, the, the trope of the um, the actor, the philandering actor goes back to like Hippocrates. So it's, you know, <laughs> yeah, not Hippocrates. Is that's that's the that's, that's the, the uh, he's the medical that's one. That's the doctor. <laughs> the other one, the one, the, yeah, the one who's the playwright. I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't remember one. Like 
Plato or Aristotle or one of those guys. Well, I mean, it is that, that era. I was trying to think of uh, the, one of the playwrights, but yeah. I didn't think of any. There's a bunch of them. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hippocrates wrote the oath, so there's that. There's something. Is, yeah. It, yeah, that that's yeah. Um, Sophocles, Aristophanes. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> one Soph- of those. Yes. <laughs> well, we have to take a quick break from this fascinating discussion, and check out the group message. Let's go. Boop, boop, boop. Uh, <laughs> I love the noise. I'm trying to bring that back. Uh, hey, so uh, support for Still Buffering comes from Mogcloth, uh, one of our, our, our favorite people on here. Uh, and hey, falls in full swing at Mogcloth. They've got you covered with cozy essentials and cute knits that won't quit. Won't Prep for quit. those. No, not at all. Prep for those upcoming holiday parties with Mogcloth's Party Boutique. Uh, and uh, of course, Mogcloth believes fashion should celebrate all women. So it offers a full range of sizes from extra, extra small to 4X. Uh, guys, I'm. I was literally just yesterday on. They've already lo- uh, launched their gift guide for the holidays, mm-hmm. and I don't know about you, but holiday shopping is is just so hectic, and it's literally just all in one place. So much cool stuff. There's nerd stuff. There's fashionable stuff. There's home goods. It's just like the perfect little section of the site to really take care of all the people that you want to take care of so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it really is. Modcloth is one of my favorite things to usually for the holidays. I've done this many times. I'll get people like gift certificates to Modcloth to mm-hmm. like get them started. Like yeah. people who maybe haven't shopped there before and they always come back and like, thank you so much. I'm so glad you introduced me to this website. I love the, I love everything on it. This is perfect. So mm-hmm. they've got you covered. In case anyone's looking for anything to get me for Christmas, there's a really cute dress on there that sounds so warm and cozy. It's even called the warm cider sweater dress. <laughs> it's got little like little buttons on the on the shoulders and it's forest green and it looks cozy and cute you're gonna say that and then uh, you me uh, said you me mom aren't gonna talk about what we buy riley and we're all gonna buy it for her accidentally because i feel like we do those i'm gonna things. get three of the same yep. dress absolutely <laughs> just okay. in case just yeah. in case i'll take it uh, but we, you know, uh, to get you guys started, we've got a really good deal for you for my cloth. Um, you can get 15% off your purchase of a hundred dollars or more. Uh, all you have to go is go to modcloth.com. That's M O D C L O T H.com and enter code buffering at checkout. Uh, this, uh, offer is valid for one time use only and it expires February 2nd. So get on that. But I uh, head over to modcloth.com and use code buffering for 15% off a hundred bucks or more. Get... Riley, three dresses that are exactly the yep. same, like we will, or a bunch of cool stuff for your buds. <laughs> uh, we have another sponsor we want to tell you about this week. Uh, still buffering is supported in part by Zola. So Zola takes the stress out of wedding planning with free wedding websites, your dream wedding registry, affordable save the dates and invitations, and easy to use planning tools. There are over 100 beautiful wedding website designs to choose from, and they fit any couple style. Uh, the Zola store has the widest selection of gifts at all different price points, and there's something for every guest to give. This did not exist when I got married <laughs> many years ago. Gosh, 12? 12 years 12? ago? Is that right? 12 years ago? That's most of my life. Uh, it, this would have saved me because I was in med school mm-hmm. uh, the six months between when we got engaged and married, and... I didn't plan any of it. Mom did. (laughs) So actually, no, it would have saved our mom from having to (laughs) plan my wedding and get everything together uh, because she had to do it on her own and I didn't have time to. And we really would have benefited from like the it's really cool. The registry, even if you've already registered other places, like they'll pull in your registry from other stores. So it's all in one convenient spot. Um, And like I like I said, you can make a, a wedding website with all the details so that everybody can just check that out wouldn't have well well we had websites when i got married <laughs> not that old but they didn't have this kind of this. functionality they yeah. weren't like zola <laughs> they, they weren't like this um so it can make your wedding planning so much easier get your save the dates out there early uh get your invitations out there everything can be taken care of through this one website um so you should check it out and to start your free wedding website today so that you can plan better than I did. Uh, and also get $50 off your registry on Zola. Go to Zola, that's Z-O-L-A dot com slash still buffering. So check it out today. $50 off your registry on Zola, Zola.com slash 
still buffering. Go check it out. That kind of infrastructure you're talking about, YouTube lacking at first for people who want to get into it, YouTube podcasts, those kinds of things. Do you think that's starting to kind of become more prevalent in YouTube when you see things mm-hmm. like a very loud and obnoxious example of like Team 10, something where, where kids are trying to form <laughs> companies almost to get into YouTube? Yeah, I, I do see some some infrastructure. And I mean, I have friends who work uh in in Hollywood as agents and like their job is to try and you know to some extent provide what like whatever the you know the the thing that they they kind of have to say is like what do you want and we will try to get you what you want Mm -hmm. uh and I will be a tool to help you get that but also ideally hopefully that those people are thinking about like some long-term future for this person and so helping them make better decisions there are also companies like i i am in the dark about how team 10 functions as a company <laughs> yeah um it doesn't seem like there is an adult in the room no <laughs> based on the content being made seems so, like jake uh, paul is the adult in that room <laughs> yeah, yeah which oh no maybe not the way you want to have it be right um it, or, or Jake Paul's dad, who also doesn't seem to be the best decision maker on this. Yeah, <laughs> either. Um, Sydney, and... you seem so totally confused by everything I've. Just... I know. I'm. <laughs> I've heard, I know Jake Paul. I know that name. That's <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what we're talking about, roughly. He's yeah. a rap scallion, um, right? <laughs> he sure is. Good word. Okay. I'm sure people call him that all the time. <laughs> and <laughs> but I have seen. Uh, there is some extent of like, to some extent there is there are always going to be young creators who their whole like a lot of their mystique is that they are anti-authoritarian they want to not be controlled they want to you know cross lines for the sake of crossing the line mm-hmm. and that's cool and so I I try not to to rag on it too much because like I understand that you know when you're a 13 year old boy you want to see people cross lines because you you're you know starting to understand where like what the lines are and how permeable they are and you know like like experimentation with rebellion is healthy right um so i it like there will always be creators like that and adults will always be annoyed with them and i am an adult and thus i am annoyed with them <laughs> like i understand that they fulfill a role in society mm-hmm. um or, or like i understand the role that they fill and i understand like why it works and how it's like not something you can fight against um but there are also lots of other creators that that i think are like younger creators who are much more likely to be receptive to the advice of adults um and who are going to have more sustainable long-term careers because of that mm-hmm. um and and really it wasn't until the last few years that the you know the the people in Hollywood who were the good who were the good ones who were good at their jobs mm-hmm. and that means not just making money today but making money ten years from now mm-hmm. um, have entered into this this sphere and like started to give support that is not all about like capturing the moment but also about sustainability. Sure, yeah. I I always just worry about. Um... I think it's so normal in your, when I think about some of the things that I thought or did or said or believed when I was a teenager and now I'm just really glad I didn't put it, I didn't have YouTube to put it on or, (laughs) you know, or a podcast to say it on because I think it's normal. Like you said, I think it's normal to work out some of those, of those demons and to (laughs) look back and go, gosh, I didn't know any, I mean, that's, that's, we all do that. That's the only thing that I I hear some of the things mainly from you Riley that you see <laughs> some of the younger people on YouTube doing and that they you know get absolutely torn apart for and I think man on some level are they really a jerk or is it just like we were all occasionally jerks when we were teens it's just mm-hmm. I have the benefit of there's no record of it mm-hmm. except for like my diary yeah. and nobody ever gets to see that so <laughs> still Sydney's yeah and I've destroyed it <laughs> <laughs> I just, I feel bad. (laughs) Yeah, I, 
I think, and it's funny, like when when Snapchat first happened, and everybody was like, "Oh, so it's a sex thing." It's like, so you can send like uh, nudie nudie pics, and I, and it was like, that's such a you know person who was born in the '80s reaction yes. to uh, <laughs> yeah. to to like not understand the utility of something that doesn't last forever. Uh-huh. It's like, what what could be the purpose of not keeping your photos forever? I want to keep everything because it used to be that it was just physical pieces of paper that I had to put in a box. Uh, <laughs> And so why wouldn't you want to save everything, uh, says the person who probably did a ton of stuff that was terrible that they've forgotten about. Exactly, because yeah. I have no right, because I didn't take pictures of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so like it makes perfect sense to, to that, that there would be new tools that allow for ephemeral media. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I think that that's a, it's a good reason why those things exist, and I'm glad that they do exist. Yeah. But I am also glad that I missed that. Like, <laughs> I even worry about the stuff I said when I was like 24 on the internet. I'm mm-hmm. worried. Like, like I was. I said some dumb stuff when I'm in college. When I was in college, I'm sure of it. Positive. I was not a huge fan of much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Hank, I feel you because I still dread that. You know, I Justin and I did a podcast for a while where we watched Two and a Half Men and made yeah. fun of it. <laughs> And I and that wasn't that long ago. And I still think, man, I hope nobody who knows me as like their doctor ever listens <laughs> to that. Because <laughs> it, it's just I mean, I can't take it back. It's there. Yeah. I mean, you can. I've taken some I've taken in, in all honesty, I've taken some videos down. I've taken some videos down that I, I have deeply de- like it was like. Basically, I made the video. I was fine with it. Two years passed. I watched and I was like, that's very bad. Four years passed and I was like, that's still, like, that's worse than I thought it was two years ago. (laughs) Six years passed and I was like, I need to just take that down. (laughs) It was like, it took a very long time. The video was up for a long time for people to watch it if they were going to enjoy it. And now it's just not anymore. I feel bad because, like, Vlogbrothers is such a, like, a history of, of, my life and mm-hmm. and I see it as its own sort of narrative and its own story and so removing a piece of that story is something I take pretty seriously actually mm-hmm. weirdly but um, ultimately if I think that it's uh, unkind or unthoughtful um, might do more damage than it does good I yeah I'm just gonna take that down yeah yeah I know that's a that's a tough battle that is a conversation we have had in this household many times about about different things like what mm-hmm. it, do you just acknowledge you've grown as a person mm-hmm. and say that I mean because I know I've said that on sawbones the way I've I've changed like language that I've used and things like I've just I'm I know more now I'm smarter now <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. older I've grown um, but it's hard because there is I, there's always part of me that just wants to go back and take down anything that I'm like ah, I wasn't 100 percent happy with that right <laughs> Yeah, and like imagine that, but we, but being a teenager, and no oh, offense, gosh. Riley, but like, <laughs> oh no, I, I are agree, dumb. we are. <laughs> oh. no, that's that. I always, you know, that's funny. It's you say that, Riley. There are moments on this show. I don't know if I've ever told you this, where you are saying something, and part of me, as a as a grown up, is thinking, maybe you don't want to say that. <laughs> maybe <laughs> should I like should I stop her <laughs> I intervene you should I thought it was gonna be the op- I thought it was gonna be the opposite and you were gonna be really earnest and you were gonna be like it's funny you say that Riley but sometimes <laughs> you'll say things on this show that I just think are so profound and wise yeah. like I wow mean, I'm so also impressed that, with my teenage you know. sister <laughs> those are there too yeah, those are whatever. definitely sure. there but every no it's just that I worry like sometimes I say mm, does she wanna you know oh, what well. Cindy you could, think, you could think about future Riley and maybe just say yeah stop stop saying it maybe just stop oh, saying what you're saying it's never terrible it's mainly just things like do your like I always want to say like did your friends at school ever listen no okay <laughs> the answer is All right. no <laughs> See, I, I have no barometer in this conversation because about two seconds after basically any words leave my mouth I go oh no that I don't know about that <laughs> so that's not good in all conversations which is that's one thing you know we we talked about like the the kind of unintentional fame that these kinds of mediums can bring on you and I wonder too if there isn't and I would assume this is the same for YouTube as it is for podcasting there's almost more intimacy with that um that fame that when Mm -hmm. when people like you it's they feel like you're so much more accessible 
you're so much closer. Mm -hmm. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I I wonder if there's even more pressure that goes with that, Uh, especially if you say something that somebody doesn't like or somebody doesn't agree with or or just you misspeak in a way that you didn't mean to upset anybody and Mm -hmm. you end up. I don't know. Sometimes I almost wonder if there's more pressure on creators who are, I, I don't know, just coming from your regular life and accidentally falling into notoriety. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's two separate. It kind of seems like two separate things there. Like, like the pressure of having an audience and, and having such a personal relationship with that audience, which is often what's asked of people who are doing this now. Because mm-hmm. what's interesting about it is that you're not like a TV person. You know, is that I see your life and I understand it, and I like I hear when you're having a hard time or a good time, and it's not, and it's all real. Like it's not real like reality television. It's real like this is your life and. Some people have maybe blurred that line a little bit. Uh, sometimes um, on the page where people know that there are portions of it that are that are real and portions that are sketch, which I think is a really fascinating thing that that some creators do now, where there's you know it's a it's a this mix of real and sketch comedy, mm-hmm. and then there's um, and then there's things where it's like not on the page, and there's definitely you know. Either we're trying to get into situations where drama will happen or we're just inventing the drama where it's like, this is becoming a, a, a scripted show. <laughs> it's very weird. Um, yeah. But uh, but so there's there's that and the amount of pressure that comes with, you know, not not just the, the expectation of the audience, but also the knowledge that there's always somebody on your coattails, somebody who's riding up right behind you and you're not going to be young and beautiful forever and you know, some some of that is, I think that some of that pressure is, you know, universal to entertainment. But sure. Um, and then there's the other thing of screwing up, and when you are a a young creator, and you know when you're like pushing boundaries, it can be seen like the like the absolute normal thing to like you know you screw up and like it doesn't matter like screwing up is part of the the thing it's like not having as many as much regard for the rules whatever the rules are and sometimes it's very and and like and you're always sort of getting a little bit of like flack and hate and so it's hard to know sometimes when you've crossed a line a little bit and it was fun and when you've gone way way over the line Mm -hmm. and seen that a few times um and uh and just made like ter- a terrible decision that you're going to have to like live with for the rest of your life mm-hmm. um and uh, and that's yeah that that is hard but but another thing that i often see is like one because you're used to a, a, a level of like a high level of adoration and so you're used to like being really really loved Mm-hmm. And two, you're also used to this like low level ribbing that's always coming from the internet of of trolls who are just because you're public on the internet, they're going to be coming for you. Mm-hmm. That the response to when you c- cross a line way over is to double down and be like, I didn't do anything wrong. And and this and now the story of the channel, which is ultimately if we want to get like deep into how this functions is like you aren't just making videos you are creating the story of like your story of a person like as a person there's a meta narrative to these channels that's video to video and so the the narrative of your channel gets taken over by this narrative of there are these haters and they're coming to get us and we need to band together to protect me from the haters Mm. and that becomes a really great narrative for the you know the the you know not maybe as big of an audience but a a maybe smaller but more dedicated audience to really start to buy into to what you know you're doing and and become you know super fans and and to evangelize for you and to become this like really big dedicated following that narrative always super bugs me and and, and creeps me out when channels take the turn to like okay what's the next sort of like plot point in the meta narrative of my channel and it's like it's that I didn't actually screw up and they're just coming for us because they want to bring me down. Yeah. Mm. And 
there is often an, an element to that. Like the reason everybody got up so upset about Logan Paul, like if that had been if that had been somebody who was like the fiftieth most popular person on YouTube, it would have been like a story for a day. Right. But instead, it was a story for weeks and weeks and weeks because he was like the biggest thing on YouTube at the moment. And and that's like that is to an extent like the press. It's a better story if it's the top person on YouTube. And sure. so, yeah, so, so there, is, there is an element of truth to that. And that's why the narrative works. Yeah, that that's really interesting. My my instinct would be kind of what you were saying is that it's never good to double down and create yeah. that <laughs> that narrative. That would be my but I, I don't know. Isn't it? Yeah, a- I mean, it's it, it it's it. I think that it can work um, for some audiences. I've definitely seen it work. Mm. Well, and especially with YouTube, where you're you make money off of people that watch your videos. So whether people are watching them out of hate or because they like you, you you're still making money. It's not like when a when an actor messes up, we don't all go mm. hate see their movies in the theaters. It's <laughs> 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 yeah, and also like nobody's there to be like, okay, sorry, Kevin Spacey, you can't be in the show anymore. Yeah, because <laughs> like like it's if if it was Kevin Spacey's YouTube channel, he'd just be like, oh well, I can upload as many videos as I want to. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. No, that's um, true. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So it is a it is a new tool that we don't know how to use yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're still working on it. Did, did, oh, go ahead. I was gonna ask. Go ahead. I, I here's my question. So my interactions, unfortunately, with YouTube, like regularly, tend to be Charlie trying to force me to watch what she calls weird videos on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. That is that is all we refer to them as is oh, Charlie wants to watch weird videos can, and she'll come ask can I watch a weird video please please can I watch a weird video while you put Cooper to sleep <laughs> and weird videos are sometimes they're unboxings I know that's what they're called now and I mm-hmm. and those man those LOL dolls can't get enough of those um, sometimes it's like kids acting stuff out just. Dressed in costumes, costumes. Yeah. yeah, just doing things. I mean, just random. Uh, there's, I've, I've gotten deep into the world of like candy reviews that exist, and like, I mean, I guess parents are are filming this. Well, actually, I know in the one that she likes the best, they're like their dad Bob is always filming them. They, at one point, they show their new house that <laughs> Bob got, which I'm assuming is from their YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> Good YouTube money. That's my favorite is that the candy reviews take a turn and the two candy review girls are showing their their new house that they have. And it's like, yeah, Yeah. Bob, I know. I know where that money came from, Bob. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But then like sometimes it's just like 80 variations of wheels on the bus (laughs) or that or like the finger family, like daddy finger, daddy finger, Mm, all the fingers. Like. (laughs) Is this frustrating for you as a creator? (laughs) of of actual quality content that like i see these videos that she watched they have millions and millions of views um um it's scary (laughs) it's not it's not frustrating to me i mean i i understand the difference between like making a video that somebody is going to watch once because they are an adult human (laughs) and and making a video that a child is going to watch every day for a year because that's what children do. Um, That's true. That's true. Yeah. So like, like, and and everyone, you know, knows that. And and, like, so Bob and his house, like he (laughs) made great money, but he per view makes much less money than I do Mm. because advertisements for children are restricted uh you have to be very careful with them uh, also they are just lower value because kids don't buy stuff uh-huh um so you know bob makes less money per view though he probably makes more money in total off of youtube than i do uh and so like it, it you know it's 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 almost like you know it's it's not like nirvana was mad at rafi right <laughs> I don't think so. Like, it's a different, like, I don't think that, I don't think that Kurt Cobain ever thought about Rafi. Like, those things were happening at the same time. Rafi was very popular. Nirvana was also very popular. Um, I love that you're bringing up Rafi. That takes me back to, like, third grade. <laughs> like, listening to Rafi in class at the end of the day to calm down before we went home. <laughs> Rafi is still a big deal. He's still doing his work. Oh, wow. 
as far as I know. I don't actually know. I, we read Rafi ne- and listen to Rafi <laughs> in my house. Ah, I got to get Rafi. That, see, that's really interesting to me to hear because I've always wondered that about YouTube when I see uh, we try to limit the weird videos in our house. We don't have like endless weird video privileges. Um, but I always wonder that, like, is this where it's all going to go? Because this just gets lots just of views. Just slime videos. And... Yeah, just slime videos, yeah. endless slime videos. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, the, uh, it's, it used to be, like, the, the, the thing that bothers me about that is only nostalgia. It's only, like, looking back and remembering when everybody knew everybody. Mm-hmm, and now mm-hmm. it's just very big. Um and now trying to talk about YouTube is like trying to talk about music. Like you don't right. do it. You could talk about music in terms of like its overall impact on the evolution of humans, but you cannot talk about like what's going on in music right now because what's going on in jazz is very different than what's going on in, in country and Western. Like it's it's just very big. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and that bigness is a little bit like I kind of pine for the days when I understood it all. Sure. Um, but ultimately I also recognize that it's probably a good thing that so many people get access to content that they like, even if it is different than the content that I like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, before, before we finish uh, talking, let's, you have a book out. Yeah. I do have a book out. I have a book out. It's about a lot of this stuff, honestly. Um, An absolutely remarkable thing uh, is the name of the book. It's uh, it's very good, you guys. It's such a good book. I don't. uh, (laughs) I do like it. Like, is it weird to like your book? No. Like, I've I've read it several times. I was required to in in the Mm -hmm. process of writing it. It turns out (laughs) they make you do a bunch of stuff, and you're just like, I'm still reading this book and then <laughs> and I would be surprised like third reading in being like ah oh, that was great I love that scene so much uh, it feels very egotistical but I also like my videos so what can I say I just am a big fan of my old dumb self uh, uh, we se- and, we yeah, celebrate a- that here that's, yeah. we, we like that okay. here at Still Buff so that's a good thing <laughs> okay um, it's, it is largely about a girl who gets pretty famous on the internet and, uh, and how it destroys her but uh, it is also about a lot of other things well wonderful yeah. I know that's I know. my pitch Riley just got hers I'm so, so excited to read it I've been oh, reading nice. so many college books and I've just been waiting for Thanksgiving break <laughs> so I can read a book I want to read for once yes yeah so well every, everybody should check that out I'm yeah. sure it is wonderful I can I ask you guys a question? Are you are you going to be at PodCon? Yes. 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 Oh, yay. Yeah. I, I was pretty sure, but I wasn't 100% sure. And so I, I also, January, January 19th and 20th, Seattle, Washington, PodCon. It's going to be fun. That's just, that's also it's, the thing that I wanted to say. Yeah, so no, I'm yeah. glad you said that. We will be wait. there. We're excited. I'm excited to be there this year and not be tremendously pregnant. Not be pregnant. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm excited for you not to be tremendously yeah. pregnant too. Because <laughs> last year it was a bit of a bit of a haul on the by plane to be that pregnant. It'll make and that then, plane ride that, that you know, all uh-huh. those panels yeah. so much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm very, I'm very excited to experience it minus, you know. A giant baby. A fetus. So. <laughs> a giant I mean, she's baby. she's out. She's like still she's still she, he, you know she's, she's still, still a here. Giant baby. She's just like on the outside, and I she's can handle so it other people now. Yeah. It's so much better. I can yeah. hand her to Justin. <laughs> you can't do that when they're inside. No, no. One even assumes that uh, the baby is bigger now. Oh, uh, yeah, she yes. is. <laughs> I, That's great. Man. Yes, thank goodness. <laughs> a whole year later. Um, uh, yeah, I I. I had such a great time last year and I'm really glad that we're doing it again. And uh, I can't, I kind of can't wait. It's coming up. So I wanted to tell people about it. Yeah. November to January. That's not, those are like the same month in my head. I have a really hard time with November and January. I get them confused (laughs) all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So it seems, it seems extra pressing right now. No. It's so Uh, close. It's it's on the, on the horizon. It is super close. Everybody should, everybody should come. We'll be there. We're bringing the whole, whole family. Whole family. As we always do. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, well, thank you. Thank you for coming on our show. Yeah, thank you so much for thank talking you. to us and teaching me more about YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I know too much about YouTube. I'm <laughs> glad that you are here for my weird discussion of meta narratives and YouTube channels. <laughs> I This is fascinating to me. Much so. better at explaining it than me, just trying to be like, Sydney, there's, there's 
Jake Paul, and then there's people who make videos, and then they make money, and that's how YouTube works. It's the the <laughs> ones that su- the ones that suck me in are the hair ones, man. They start doing all those hairstyles yeah. really yeah. fast. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> they do do fast hairstyles. I've been watching a lot of snooker on YouTube lately. Do you know what snooker is? I don't. Is that is that like pool? Yeah, it's like pool, but British. Um, <laughs> the, the pool table is very big and the balls are different and the rules are completely different. And it seems completely, uh, completely opaque at uh-huh, first. And uh-huh. then you, and then like at some point it's like learning a foreign language, but quickly all the pieces fall into place and it goes from looking like a bunch of people making completely random decisions. And then the audience either applauding or going, Oh, <laughs> you don't even have any idea why, like the ball didn't even go in and they're so excited about the ball, not going in. Um, and then suddenly the flip, switch the switch gets flipped and you're like i am a i am a a expert in snooker and i know everything about this game and i love it so much that happened to me last week and i have not stopped watching snooker videos since then oh youtube is such a beautiful place (laughs) so many things you know i have to and i'm i'm not sad to share this platform with finger family weirdness (laughs) and i'm not sad to share it with snooker videos Well, I have to I have to say I have to thank you personally because I watched a video you did about asbestos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're talking Well, I, we were doing BTW. a podcast about asbestos and then I uh-huh. found it and I was like, "Oh, I got to make sure I was right." <laughs> were well, you? I hope that we were right. Yeah, no, you were. Okay. Well, I mean, if okay. I said the same thing, so we're in it together, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm always happy to fact check. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much again, yeah, and um, we're we're just we're so excited to have you here. We're excited for PodCon. Yeah, we're excited to read your book. Yeah. So many things I'm excited about. Yeah, thank you very Thanks, much. Y'all. Yeah, are we? Did we do it? Okay, what do I do now? Do you want to say the thing that ends the show real quick? <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to say the thing that ends? Okay. <laughs> that, well, I mean, we should. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this has been Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. <laughs> I am a teenager. And I, and I was too. too. <laughs> we, yeah, we all were. We all were. <laughs> Good job, everyone. Since the dawn of time, screenwriters have taken months to craft their stories. But now, three Hollywood professionals shall attempt the impossible. Break a story in one hour. That's right. Here on Story Break, I, Freddie Wong, Matt Arnold, and Will Campos, the creators behind award-winning shows like Video Game High School, have one hour to turn a humble idea into an awesome movie. Now, an awesome movie starts with an awesome title. I chose The Billionaire's Marriage Valley. Mine was Christmas Pregnant Paradise. (laughs) Okay, next we need a protagonist. So I've heard Wario best described as libertarian, (laughs) Mario. And of course, every great movie needs a stellar pitch. In order to get to heaven sometimes you gotta raise a little hell <laughs> that's the tagline check out story break every week on maximumfun.org or wherever you get your podcasts maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned listener supported